Hey friends, welcome back to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. So today I have a rare treat. Well, if you're watching this, you're going to see it's a rare treat. If you're listening, I'm going to explain to you why I just said that. I have done very few in-person podcast interviews here on my homestead. Every once in a while it happens, but not very often. But today is one of those days. So I have Austin from Homesteady joining me in the flesh here in Wyoming today. And we get to do podcast together. So I just recorded one for his show. And then now we're recording one for mine. So this is super fun. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see both of us, which is kind of a treat. So <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's pretty hot. Is, is it <laughs> we're all here? getting a little bit. Yeah, There are flies here. I tell everybody yeah, my interview, yeah. I'm like, if I start waving, it's because I'm trying to get the fly off my nose. You so might hear it go by. You can hear the fly day, go by. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's a little warm in here. <laughs> yeah. So I'm so excited to have you guys swing by. You guys have been on quite the tour. Yes. Tell us a little yes. bit about that. So we left in the beginning of the summer for what we've been calling the off-grid challenge, the off-grid adventure. Our family has been wanting to build a new homestead. We've been homesteading for over a decade, but we wanted to kind of reset what we've been doing and go off-grid. And for about six months, nine months, we were planning and designing an off-grid homestead. And then I realized I was making a huge mistake. I was the gardener designing a garden who had never gardened, Mm, right? I was... I was designing a market garden and I never did a raised bed. So we figured, you know what, let's go live off grid, experience what off grid life is really like. And then we can come back to this idea of living off grid and designing a life off grid with some experience. And this summer has been some experience. I I bet. (laughs) I can only imagine. And I, I'm excited to hear what your conclusion was of, you know, getting in there and actually doing the things. Yeah. But I, I know we're gonna you're gonna reveal that when you put all of your adventures yes. together in the ser- it's series, right? On yes. YouTube and, and a podcast. Yep. So yeah. we're gonna be covering on the YouTube channel this whole off-grid series. Uh, you'll hear about it on the podcast. We've had the uh, wonderful chance to interview lots of different people on this tour. Uh, we started with people living off-grid in Alaska. We went through. Eventually, we were in Alaska for the summer. We're driving home now, which is why we're here in Wyoming. Yeah. And it's a slow go because it's the whole family, all eight of us, and the dog and, and the, the dog. cats. <laughs> the cat, that's, in, that's impressive. Yes, you brought the cats. The cats was next level. <laughs> yes. We almost brought the goats, but that was just. Too, I mean, it's harder to fit in a van. It was the border. Yeah. Honestly, the, the border, border check, <laughs> yeah. it was like we'd lose our goats <laughs> yeah, at the border. Yeah. So, yeah. So we've been going and we've been having really great conversations. And this is the last one. We got to talk to Jill yeah. today. And like she said, she'll be on in that series. So stay tuned. Yes, you'll get the grand conclusion, which I'm very curious to hear (laughs) what they decided. We have a really fun topic today. We were were discussing like what we could we could chat about. We're going to be talking about homesteading myths, lies, and opinions. We're going to get into some controversial (laughs) topics today. You and I might not even agree on some of this, so this will be fun. I love talking to people I don't agree with. (laughs) I think it's so good. Whenever I do these episodes, like I was telling you before we hit record. I'm always nervous and my audience generally loves them because I think everyone just wants to hear the truth and nothing but the truth. They just want to hear it put out on the table and just have frank discussions. And and you know, Jill, you mentioned it just there, right? We might not agree because we have a different experience, right? So people listening, we might go, we have a a list here to go through and they might agree with half and think the other half is baloney, but it's all our experiences. Just good to see things from someone else's angle, especially in the world of homesteading where we can kind of, get in our corner and think our corner is the right corner. Yeah. So. I think it's really healthy in, yeah. in so many areas. So, but before we get into the, the, the juicy stuff, I was interested in something you said, you've been homesteading for over a decade. Yeah. 
you want to simplify. Yeah. So a lot of people are going, wait, you already achieved the, the ultimate. Yeah. What do you mean? Why, what happened? Why are you simplifying again? A great question. We started homesteading. My son is sitting in the studio right now, my oldest. He was on his way and we decided we were switching from being a couple who lived in an apartment and ate Taco Bell to, well, we got a baby to think about now, yeah. so we got to do better. And it started very, very small scale. I learned we didn't have any land, so we couldn't raise animals. So I learned to hunt. It's the only thing I could figure out. And fish. So hunting and fishing to put meat in the freezer. That taught me how to butcher, right? So, well, now I know how to butcher an animal. And we had a little apartment yard where Kay could put in a garden. So she put in a little garden. And the first year, we got no deer and no tomatoes. It was a big mm. failure. But... As you know, the way these things work, we got better at the tomatoes. We got better with the deer and we grew and we got to the point where now fast forward 13 years and we have been running what is more like a farmstead. We've had, we peaked last year with 13 cattle, a bull and 12 girls. We had throughout the summer, five feeder pigs, as well as some breeder pigs and all kinds of little piglets running around. We had goats and sheep and chickens and chickens and chicken tractors. Then we had the meat birds and the egg layers. We did a day in the life of video on our YouTube channel to show like how crazy our day was. And we looked back at that video and we're proud of it. We built a huge thing. We we do all our own meat. We don't buy meat from the supermarket anymore, right? We're proud of what we've done. But when you watch a day in the life of video, Kay and I, we give each other a kiss, walk into the barn and... We go like this. Yeah. I know you could probably relate with all the stuff you guys got going on. And we really wanted to build a life where we were together more. And we've done better than we had before we started homesteading. I worked in construction. I had to big commute. I was never home when my first two were little. I missed a lot of stuff. But now as things grow, we're very, very busy. They're very busy helping us, the kids. And so it's gotten to the point where we realize we need to reset, simplify again, and that means doing a better job of juggling, you know, how and what we're actually doing yeah. and what things maybe we now let our community around us take care of. So mm, that's so good and so important because mm. I, I found that, well, January this of this past, of this year, I felt that same thing in my businesses. Like I love my business. Yeah. I've been working on my business for a decade and it was grow, 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 expansion, expansion, higher, higher, higher. And I'm like, this is a behemoth and I am not liking this as much as I used to. Like it's too complicated. There's too many irons in the fire. And I just started purging. I closed down programs. I let some employees go. They were good employees, but I'm like, we're too big. Like it's too, there's too much. And it it felt so good. I'm still doing, I'm still in that mindset, but yeah, to have that self-awareness is sometimes hard, but it can feel really good once you lean into it. Uh, We say it's like with your homesteading, it's like pruning a tree. Yes. You have to. Otherwise the fruit gets too big and the leaves break and get disease. Yeah. So it's, it either will happen by, as you've probably seen, if we grow too big, too fast, there'll be failures, Yes. right? We'll, or we can self-prune and we've had both. Yeah, So And that's part sure. of this list today. <laughs> yes. We're going to talk about a lot of failures, a lot of things that we've learned the hard way. And sometimes we've been smart enough to self-prune, other times things have gone wrong. Yeah. 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 Good life lessons though, all yeah. the way around. <laughs> always. All the, always, always. Okay. So should we get into the list? Yeah. Are you ready for this? It. All yep. right. Okay. First one on the list, livestock breeds. They may not be as important as you have been told. Please divulge. We have over the 
so we've been homesteading over a decade. We've had livestock since he was my son. I keep pointing to my son. He's, mm-hmm. in, <laughs> he's in here, we promise. He's in here. Uh, he was one years old when we got his first batch of chickens. Okay. So 12 years we've had livestock and we've had chickens. We've had, I already said chickens, cows, sheep, goats, pigs. We even had camels for a Oh my run. goodness. We had dairy you are, camels. Okay. That's that's awesome. That's, I, I don't know what to say. I've never, I've, I've never had a camel guest before. So. so we've had all kinds of livestock. Kay loves new animals. Since she was a little girl, it was her thing to yeah. get a new animal, try something new. And so we try pretty much everything. And we have tried many different breeds. And so what we tell people nowadays when people say like, oh, well, what's the best breed for, you know, I want to get pigs or I want to get a cow, right? Family milk cow. We, yeah. do, we have a lot of experience with family milk cows. We love, we have many jerseys. And we love our mini jerseys. They're an amazing breed for your, you know, small homestead where you can go out and milk it. It's not a high production. You can milk by hand. It's great. We talk a lot about them on our channel, mini jerseys and on our podcast. So someone might see our show and be like, I need a mini jersey. Mm. I got, it's the best breed for a homestead milk cow. I would even have said that in videos. That's the best breed. Yeah. But what may they may find is what we found when we got into mini jerseys. They're high demand. Mm. low supply they're expensive they're hard to find they could spend five years waiting for that mini jersey finally get it or they could say you know what the breed's not that important yeah let me get a regular size jersey and breed down or even better the farmer down the road has whatever breed yeah and they're willing to help me when we got into pigs i had zero pig experience we wanted to try the heritage pigs and all we could find was a farmer near us who was raising commercial Yorkshire land race cross, yeah. big pink pigs. And, you know, we were new and wow, we want to do the heritage thing, but well, they, these are here. Let's try it. That farmer, Tom Dexter has become one of my biggest mentors mm. because he was close to me. He was, he wouldn't let me buy a pig from him until I came and toured his farm. He said, listen, you're going to do it all wrong. Mm. Come see my farm, see how I do it. So it didn't matter the breed. I was new, right? Yeah. How how many times do we get into a new animal and wind up it gets sick because of a mistake we make? It could wind up dying. So for in the beginning, don't worry about breed. Yeah. Find what we always tell people is find your closest farmer or homesteader who's willing to take you and actually help you. You know, you can find a lot of people selling stuff on Craigslist. But someone who's willing to work with you, give you advice. I have called Tom Dexter. I've been homesteading now. We said 13-ish years. I've called him every year since I first called him. Yeah. Not for pigs anymore, but still for advice on, on pigs, you know, breeds, all kinds of things. So that we find is much more important than the specific breed. I totally agree with that. I, and I see a lot of new homesteaders getting hyper-focused on the breeds. Yes. Like, it, I, I, I like the heritage idea, that heritage breed idea. Yeah. We've had very few because I mean, Wyoming is close to nothing. So <laughs> no, no one yeah. is here. And so anything special it's you, it's far away. And yes. so like we have pink pigs outside right now, yeah. big pink pigs. And I would love every time we get them, I, I have this little, like, this isn't very homesteadery enough because I don't have the heritage breeds and <laughs> I, I, I'm not a real homesteader, <laughs> but I'm like, they're, I got them from the neighbor yeah. and I can't get the, the old spots anywhere near us. And I don't feel like driving 1200 miles. And so it matters. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, it matters. Yeah. And, and not only think about your source, 
What is your local vet familiar with? Right. Yeah. We're familiar with camels. I can. That, I you can. That. I am not surprised. <laughs> so just if it's what you can get locally that people understand, you can get help with. How much better than yeah. getting? You might see a YouTuber who loves their IPP. Yes. You might see a YouTuber who loves their old old spot. Whatever it is, there's a yeah. million different yeah. things out there. And great, I love mini jerseys, but there's things more important. Yeah, than I agree. I agree. That was a good one. Okay. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. Okay. Number two. Ooh, boy. Uh -oh. We just were diving uh -oh. in. This is unsubscribes are starting. I can feel the emails coming now. <laughs> Big ag and factory farms are not your enemy. Not your enemy. Carefully worded here. Yes. We're real careful being K when we've come up with our ideas and topics. We're really careful to word things right because people will pick in the comments and in the emails, right? They're not your enemy. Um, the, the man I mentioned there, Tom Dexter. Yeah. If you were to go to his operation, he is a large-scale hog producer. Yeah. A lot of people would look at him as a factory farm. And there are certain practices that he does on his farm that factory farms do that people don't like. Yeah. And if I was the first day I went to Tom's and I saw how he, you know, keeps his pigs, I could have judged him and said this isn't a homesteader, this is a factory yeah. farmer. He's got all these sows and He's got the room with the sows and they don't, they're not on dirt. He keeps his piglets off the dirt on a, on a raised floor. People don't like yeah, that. Yeah. When you talk to Tom, you'll learn this particular breed is really bad about crushing their babies in the mm. mud. They'll get sick off of that. So what's best for his pigs on his farm is to elevate them and keep them in a heated room. Now, people might not like that. It's not natural, right? Oh, it's, oh. I want to see pigs out in the dirt. And that's fine if you want to do that in yours. But I... Had a pig get sick. This was a couple of years ago. I called Tom up. It was a little piglet. And I said, hey, Tom, this, this little pig has got diarrhea. I can't stop. Yeah. I'm going to lose it. Now, this is, again, he could be considered a big ag factory mm. farm guy. The first thing he said to do was not get drugs. It was not go, not that, again, we'll talk about that too, but yeah. it wasn't go get a shot, pharmaceutical. It was go out back, take a one foot square of sod, lift it up with the dirt and the sod and everything and feed it to it. Oh, interesting. And then feed it a banana. <laughs> big ag, right? Yeah, Tom, yeah. conventional agriculture, big pink pigs. I did it because this guy's got years of experience. Yeah. I, I Nothing else was working with this pig. Stopped the diarrhea. Now, <laughs> it was a pig we ate. So the end of the story is we ate the pig, but <laughs> that's seems, the point. <laughs> seems right to me. I don't we, know what the problem is. Right? <laughs> yeah, so we saved him until butcher day. Yes, so yes. it totally fixed the problem. Now, I don't, if you look at my farm and you look at Tom's farm, they look very different. Mm -hmm. We have now since years later done breeder pigs. We've done heritage pigs. We don't elevate them off the floor. We yeah. don't use the heated yeah. rooms. We, we find, but I've learned so much from that guy. And I could go through the list of interviews we've had on our podcast. We've interviewed Kirsten Bordner, who does the IPP pigs. She works in a grow facility for turkeys factory mm, farm, yep. right? It's a big grow house where they put the turkeys on one side. She does, she handles diseases yeah. and cross-contamination. When all the turkeys drop dead, she comes and figures out what's wrong. How much have I learned from Kirsten, yeah. right? Like, so these people who work, and you talk about this, I got, we got a sneak peek at the book, Jill's book. You talk about this a little bit, how people wind up working in a factory farm yeah. or an agri, you know, big ag. Maybe it's the way their family's done it forever. Yes. You know, maybe it's, just how they've learned to do things. There's so much knowledge, 
right? Yep. They have so much more knowledge than us. Who knows more about pigs, me or Tom Dexter? Tom Dexter. Yeah. So we can learn so much. They're not our enemy. Yeah. Even if we don't like everything someone does, we can still learn a lot. Yeah. I think that's so important. And I think, I think as homesteaders, I know at least I, I think a lot of us have dipped into, because we get passionate, right? We've yeah. dipped into oh, yeah. like all pasture, all regenerative, you know, it's all bad. It's all industrial. And I, I have definitely been there, but as I've just kind of matured a little bit and also it, you know, what's that saying? It's hard to hate up close. Not that we're hating, but like yeah. once you get to know somebody in mm. the other camp and you look eyeball to eyeball, it's like, Oh, you're just a human. Yeah. And you know, we're surrounded, we're living ranching country. So it's like old school ranches here, but these, these are people who raise cattle for feedlots and we raise grass finished beef. A lot of these guys don't appreciate grass fish beef. <laughs> like they don't, they, they don't want to eat it and they think it's a horrible idea. And yeah. so initially I was like, Oh, let's, let's fight. Let's and then I'm like, no, they're really good people. And they're the ones who have mentored us as we've learned how to r- run cattle. And so, yeah, it's get to know these people. I do think, you know, I'm not a fan of Monsanto. I, I really don't <laughs> think they have a lot of good in mind, but the, there's a lot of humans, yeah. you know, uh, on the local level that are just really awesome. And ha- like you said, have a ton of knowledge to share. Yeah, I think it's, you, as you go through life, you see division is a tool to control people, yes. right? The more we can divide, here's a guy who's raising cows for people to enjoy. And here's a, another guy raising cows for people to enjoy. If they do it differently, they're still doing a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, finding, just finding more learning from each other, even if we don't copy everything. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. I think open-minded is good. It's really healthy too. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't, get as many hits on YouTube. No, that's <laughs> <Just true. not. laughs> so, Division that's true. sells. It yes, totally sells. That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. All right. Number three, here we go. Your homegrown food isn't always better than the grocery store. Okay. Again, wording carefully. <laughs> wording, I can tell there's even asterisks around. All right. Did I put it? You I did. did. Yeah, I did I put the asterisks because I mean, there's a reason we've been homesteading for 13 years. Yeah. Raw milk, usually pretty delicious. Yeah. You know, the, the pastured pork we raise in our backyards, the bacon we've cured, just fantastic, right? Yeah. And we, by nature, we have YouTube channels and podcasts and we tell people about our products. And, and usually we like to share the wins, right? And yeah. we're also, I know, Jill, you're good about sharing the realities. We try to, on our channel, be very open and honest. There are a ton of times you go through a ton of work. You spend a lot of money. I can think back to the most problems we've had have come from either dairy endeavors, usually, uh, or, or chickens. We've raised Cornish cross chickens, Red Ranger chickens, mm. heritage chickens. We have seen, you ever seen green meat disease? No. So you, you, you finish this big fat bird, right? You spent eight weeks dragging him around your pasture, yeah. sweating it out, bringing him water, bringing him food, doing it, you know, the salatin way and the tractors yeah. Yeah. and you know, your John Siskovich chicken tractors and you're feeling like such a homesteader. Butcher day comes and you're, you get them all packaged and sealed. You're so proud. And then you go in your kitchen, you cut into that and you open it. It's green. Like green, green. Like green, green. And you're thinking, okay, this is rotten. This is spoiled. Yeah. You know? But then the next one's green. Oh. And the ne- green, green, green meat disease. I should have wrote this on yeah. my notes. It's something like green meat disease. Basically, it's something to do with a weird oxygen issue. Mm. I don't know the science behind okay. it, but your chicken meat turns green. Yeah. Do you want to sell that to your customers? Do you want to serve that to your family? Technically they say it's edible. Eh. It doesn't look, doesn't look great. Doesn't though. Look great. No. We've raised chicken tractor chickens that have been so, so tough. Yeah. Like 
like, you know, all right, we'll stick them in the crock pot for 24 hours and we'll eat it. Yeah. Oh gosh. It's so much work. And yeah. then, and, and then on the, like on the dairy side, dairy goats, weird tasting milk, yep. funny issues with the flavor. Now it is not all that, right? We have our wins, but before you get into like, you know what, I'm going to grow all this and it's going to be amazing. You have to know there's a lot of failure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and a lot of times the quality or the flavor will not match either what you're used to. Like you mentioned with the grass fed yep. beef and the, you know, feedlot finished beef, it won't either be what you're used to, or it'll just be outright worse. Yeah. That's so good. It's so good. Cause I, everyone's small and I, I have totally said this, but I'll have people come up and go, well, homegrown food always tastes better. And I'm kind of thinking you haven't really grown a lot of food. Uh, <laughs> Cause like, it's not a fun thing to admit because uh, I am a huge evangelist of oh, homegrown yeah. food, no, obviously, right? but I have cheese in the house right now, homemade cheese oh, yes. that it's okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's edible. Yeah, But like my family is like, if my husband will like, it's in there. My husband will go to the store and get a block of cheddar and we'll go ahead and eat the cheddar from the store before we go. We only go back to the homemade one. If it's like, okay, there's no cheese in the house. So we have to use this one. I love that you mentioned cheese. Cause we were talking on the way here in case, like how many reels of cheese have I made or yogurt? Yeah. The kids won't touch. Yes. It. Yes. They'll eat their, their, their the, the Greek full fat from yep. the supermarket. Yep. They love that with a little honey on it. Yeah. They don't touch. It went too long. It went yeah. too short. It's too grainy. It's too sour. Something in the air. Yes. Dairy is such an art. Hard, it is yes, so, yes. it is so hard. I love it, yep. but it's so hard. Yep. <laughs> yeah. What's, what are some other ones? Yeah. I've had a lot of those. My, I had a big shock when I first started making sourdough bread back in the day. Ooh, like yeah, I yeah. was just like, it's sourdough. It's what I, I went to hundred percent whole wheat right away. Cause I'm hardcore like that. And I'd be like, <laughs> look at honey. I have homemade bread for supper. And it was like, it would choke you oh. going down. <laughs> but yeah. And I was like, I didn't want to admit it, but I'm no, like, it's yeah. really not better. It's actually worse. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, now we're, now I can actually make bread that's better than the store, but it took me a long, a time. long time. Yeah. We did a, a batch of bacon. Uh, this was last year. Uh, homestead in 12 years yes. here, right? I got some, yeah. we did a batch of bacon. We oversalted it. It was inedible. Yeah. We had to, to serve it, slice it and bacon. We like literally raised the, Mm. Breed, we had breeder pigs, got the little ones, raised them up on the pasture, the whole thing, butchered it ourselves, yeah. uh, hung it, you know, put in the house on the right temperatures, cut it, brined it every single step. <laughs> you were invested in that bacon. That bacon. <laughs> yeah. There was no reason for me to tell anybody this is awful bacon. Yeah. This is like, I, I look beautiful on Instagram. Yes. It was gross. We had to rebrine it in just plain water to suck out some of the salt mm. just, and then serve it only on like BLTs because yeah. the tomato and lettuce <laughs> would forgive the saltiness of the bacon. Yeah. So yeah. you got to be ready for that reality. Yeah. It's sometimes you really mess up and sometimes it's just not what you like. Yeah. What do you, do you have any, or, or how do you handle that when you have such like bacon Ooh. disappointments, big disappointment. Do yeah. you have any, th- any, <laughs> any words you tell yourself <laughs> when you're hitting those, those roadblocks? Chicken's got to eat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That is the one good thing. There's always yeah. something that will eat the failures. That, that yeah. is actually really one of the best ways you just having chicken. And you talk about that in your book, right? Like yeah. just having chickens makes every failure. Yeah. Hey, you know what? The cheese, a lot of protein chickens yep. can have some cheese. Having pigs has been awesome for failures. Yes. Nothing. And this is something when you have a, a homestead with these particular things, chickens and pigs, 
really nothing goes to waste, but yeah. your time invested in a high quality sure. product, yeah. you could yeah. say, well, we learned from it and we're sharing it with others. So there's value there yeah. too. Yeah. But we talked about it in the, the episode we just recorded for our show. We talked about failure. Failure is a thing and you're going to learn from it and yeah. you'll learn sure. good from it. So, you know, th- that'll stick with us. We will not overbrine bacon. Again. Exactly. Yeah. That was yeah one time and one time That's only. It. Yeah. We watch that clock now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Good lessons, even though sometimes they're just real hard. Real hard. <laughs> Heartbreak. <laughs> so Heartbreak. All right. I I love number four. I love number four. You won't save money. That's breaking shocked? some hearts <laughs> right now. That is breaking some hearts. <laughs> we got into homesteading. We talked about it a little at the beginning, right? We had a baby boy. We wanted to feed him better. The thing I didn't mention was, and we could not afford to buy better quality food. Yes, that right? was that was same. Yeah, right? Couldn't was, afford it. Yeah. We couldn't afford We would go to the farmer's market. And I know there's tricks and you share a lot in the book about how to, you know, make more from less and from different cuts. But at the time, we just, we couldn't figure it out. We couldn't do it. Well, we can't do this, right? So we'll do it ourselves. We'll save money. We'll do it ourselves. And what we have learned after doing it now this long and with all the different livestock is generally speaking, what will happen is you will spend way more than you would at the supermarket for sure. If you're really good and you get your systems really well, you can usually match your farmer's market, maybe do a little better, but people who sell stuff at farmer's markets aren't always great with their pricing and they're probably losing money. (laughs) We have found that with beef. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's hard on the people who are actually trying to make money and watching their margins. And I'm looking at these, you know, $2 a pound ground beef sales go by on Facebook. I'm like, you, you're, you're you're losing money. You can't do that. Farm fish eggs. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. When we went to, we moved to Pennsylvania, people were selling them for $2 a dozen. There's no no way way. they're making money, but they're doing it. So you would do better to just buy a person selling for support them. Ish. Ish. I guess (laughs) you're not really helping them, but. Yeah, We did a breakdown, a video on our YouTube channel where we broke down what we spent on our family milk cow every week. Every week she cost, and this was kind of an average milk because we got a lot of cows and stuff, but we tried to do an average, about 50 bucks a week for a family milk cow. Mm, Now, what we said in that video was, if you're a big consumer of dairy, you have a big family and you eat, you drink a lot of milk because then with cheese making, as we just talked about, you can make the cheese. Is it the cheese your family's used to? Yeah. That's more time, more equipment, right? So if you drink a lot of milk, like more than $50 a week, then go for it if you're trying to save money. Yeah. Otherwise, you're probably not going to save money. And that's a heartbreak for a lot of people. But now you can save on the better quality product, right? It can be, if you're buying it at the farmer's market, you can save there. But Overall, if you're just looking to save money, there's better ways than raising animals. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then maybe people are asking or wondering, why do it? Why do it? Oh, man. That's, yeah, <laughs> That's I'm a big still question. Wondering, I know. Why, why do we do I know. Um, why did we keep going, right? After, you know, after we got so far along, why do we keep going? The kids is a big yeah. one, right? Yeah. Knowing, because we have six kids. So knowing that I can feed them, knowing that we have a good quality product. We went through, I mean, with this is interesting in our story. Why do we have the camels? One of my, my youngest son had really bad allergies mm. and we had to like watch everything he ate. If it was chicken, was the chicken fed corn? Was it fed soy? Uh, just to give you an idea, like 
birth or, you know, kid, they track kids' weights, yes. percentile. You're in the first percentile. You're in the 100 percentile for weight. He was his whole first few years of his life in the 10 and under, Ooh, as far down as yeah. like, scary. Yeah. Um, so it was, we, we got a camel because camel milk is super hypoallergenic. Interesting. Definitely don't save a dollar. No, 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 no. I don't imagine you save no camel money saving. One of the most expensive endeavors we've ever done. But to know that we could have it even through the pandemic for him. So a lot of it is that. And and don't get me wrong. There's still, and you guys probably have seen this too. There are a few things we do we can save money on. If you love grass-fed lamb and you got a lot of grass out there. Yeah. Our grass, we like to, when we buy lamb back home, it's like 15 to 20 bucks per pound. Mm. We can get bummers from our family members across yeah. the, the fence. Bummers are the, you know, the, the lambs that aren't attached. They don't want to bottle feed. So we get a couple bummers for basically nothing and raise them out on grass and butcher them. So yeah, we're saving this. Yes. Yes. You can find everybody's situation might have one or two things, but net, net positive. It's much more for the security, knowing where our food comes from. It's a good Good thing we enjoy the lifestyle. Yeah. And, you know, you're building wealth. Your herd of cows, you guys got a yeah. nice herd of cows. Yeah. There's wealth there. You might not save a ton of money. Yeah. But when we sell a couple cows, there's something there. It's, it's you know, you might have a stock portfolio and a livestock portfolio. So there yeah. are advantages to it. Just not saving money very much. Yeah, I know. It's not the money part. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's such, it's such a fascinating concept because everyone comes in it. I think, or not everyone, I say 90% of people come to homesteading for the food, yeah. whether they just want to get rid of chemicals or they just, or they think they're going to save money. And I, what I see happening is that the people who are going to stick with it realize real quick, food is cool. Yes. And I, I food is important, but I'm, I'm staying for those deeper benefits, yes. the, the emotional health, making sure my kids know where f- their food comes from, yeah. work ethic, having control, having food security. So I think you have to latch onto those sooner versus later if you're yes. going to stick in the lifestyle. Yes. Yeah. It matters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was a good one. <laughs> Number five. This is my language right here. We're not we're not fighting so far, <laughs> so I don't know. This is we're too good. easy. Maybe everyone's in the comments. Be, though, maybe in the comments. Right. I mean, everyone's gonna be disappointed. We're not having a knockdown <laughs> drag out. Hey, friend! I'm interrupting this episode for just a second to give a shout out to our sponsor, Genuine Beef. Now, this is actually my beef company, the one that my husband and I started a number of years ago to bring our grass finished Wyoming beef straight to your doorstep. And I know that whenever we start to shift into this fall and winter season, I get the very primal urge to stock up on food. And I know many of you feel that same way. So we have put together a freezer filler special to help you do just that. You're going to get four of our most popular beef roasts, the ones that are great for crock pots and those cozy winter meals, as well as three pounds of our 90-10 ground beef. We're going to put it all in a bundle and give it to you for 15% off while supplies last. Now we can ship this to anywhere in the continental US. We do second day air. We put a lot of dry ice in there. So it'll get to your doorstep safe and sound. And if you want to grab a box or two or three, head on over to the prairiehomestead.com slash freezer uh, to grab your bundle. And I'll go ahead and drop that link in the show notes too. Now back to our episode. Okay. You don't have to go to the extreme and do everything to have a successful or enjoyable homestead we uh, during that year or two during the pandemic uh, my son's allergies were really really bad um i mentioned we had to watch what our chickens were eating yes right that's intense oh that's that's intense yeah so we were raising cornish cross chickens in chicken tractors out on pasture 
but we needed to make sure that his uh, the, the chickens feed didn't have corn or soy. Mm. So <sighs> that's really it's real hard, hard, right? Real hard, yeah. Really hard to find both. Usually, you can find yeah. one that's corn or soy. Yeah, we couldn't have corn or soy either of them. So we thought, you know what? We've been at this for a long time. We know what we're doing. We'll make our own feed. We'll make mm. our own chicken feed for our, for the broilers. So we did. And we even worked with someone who did feed on, on their own. They, yeah. they did custom feeds and they knew a lot, but they had never done broiler chicken feeds. So we put together this, this custom feed from start to finish. We fed it to our broilers and we watched half the 200 birds. Half of them died. Just like no way. And it was the weirdest thing because it looked like a disease. Yeah. They started getting funny with how they would walk and they would start like, getting dizzy and fall over and then dead. Yeah. And it was a couple and then a couple more and then a couple more. And then all of a sudden like catastrophic loss. Yeah. And I'm calling, do I have, you know, bird flu? Do I have, what's going on here? It was the feed. We did it wrong. They didn't have enough. And I don't remember now that, cause I don't make my own feed yeah, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was something about the amount of energy they could get from the carbohydrate mm, just wasn't there. Yeah. And where you could get away with it with maybe a heritage hen that's running around outside. Sure. The broiler chickens grow big and fast and they need more. Yeah. So the, the moral of the story was we tried to do everything just on that chicken and it was a big, big failure. Yeah. There are people who are out there making feeds, support them, find a good yeah. quality feed, find something you like. You yeah. don't have to go buy if you don't want to, you don't have to go to your big boxes and buy that feed. Fine. There's, we found really good local sources who make really nice feeds, whether it's feed butchers. Sometimes, yes. I, do you see this, Jill? People sometimes get funny about using a butcher in the yes, homestead world. Totally. They're going to steal my meat. Yeah. I could, you know, it's an awful <clears throat> place for my animals to be. We have partnered with some butchers over the yeah. years who are, first off, taught me so much about growing. Our, our best butcher. Well, I don't want to say best because we've worked with a few, but <laughs> yeah. one of the We're best. not playing favorites yeah. here. We'll edit, the, <laughs> edit that out. Yeah. But he, he was just a fantastic butcher. He had raised so much livestock. Mm. So he not only knew how to raise the animals, yeah. but he knew how to raise them for the best and the product to eat. He taught me what to feed pigs. He taught me yeah. how to feed pigs. He taught me what breeds are better for what things. And... He never stole any of my bacon. Yeah, I, we've never, I don't think we've ever had that happen. Right. Or people like, are like, they're going to mix it up. And I'm like, the butchers, I mean, unless they're really shady, but I mean, I know it could happen. It can happen. Yeah. We've had that happen from one I never used again. Yeah. So you got to, like anything in yeah. life, find your partner, right? Yeah. Find a good, but overall, we've had wonderful experiences with butchers. Yeah. I, I'm a big proponent of learning to butcher. It's a, if you want to save money, yeah. that's a great way to do it. But don't be afraid to Use a butcher. They're they're awesome. They're they're craftsmen that are going to turn your elevate your product. Do better than you will. I'm yes. a hobby butcher. I like to do it as a hobby. And yeah. I've done every animal we've raised, at least a couple of them. But when we have a big batch, especially for customers, it's going to a butcher. Yeah, because they're just there to yeah. make our life a little easier. We had that same revelation. We had initially it was because I, I can be pretty hardcore. Like I have matured into more gray area personality, yeah. but I am naturally very black and white and yeah. dogmatic, which I've really grown, tried to grow, grow out of that. But initially homesteading, it was like, we have to butcher ourselves because it's yeah. not real if it's not cutting it up. And so we would cut up several steers and several hogs and I'm glad we did it. Yeah, It was good. And we still butcher our own chickens, but 
man, we have a butcher down the road who's a good friend. Like he's three miles down the road. Yeah. Like it's not a traumatic haul for the animals. Right. And when we would butcher it ourselves, we could kind of get it done. But it was like, I didn't know that I never knew the cuts because it would be like, Roast so <laughs> steak. I don't know what this is. And I, I, you know, the tenderloin would be labeled the same as the, you know, pork chop. Oh, and yeah. I had no idea. And it, it was all this, the product wasn't as enjoyable. And with the, with the cattle, we couldn't hang them because oh, we didn't have the wet, yeah, you know, the temperature right. is not consistent. So we would just cut them up, hang them for a night and then wrap them. And I mean, that's chewy. Way <laughs> that's chewy. Other things you can get away with that, but yeah, cattle, cattle are, that's yeah. a rough one. So I'm like, you know what? I'm very happy to pay someone who yeah. can knows his cuts. Yep. He cuts it well, and it's labeled as well. So nice, it's labeled. so nice. I, know. I can't tell you how many times Kay has pulled out of our chest freezer a thing and been like, "Yeah, what? What is it? What? <laughs> yeah." And now I'm like, "Hmm, kids, what do you? Because they help. Yeah. What do you think, kids? It's yeah. Like we well, place like bets. Right. Well, my sister does do the labeling. Yes. So. You blame her. I, yeah, just blame her. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's, that's such a good example because it's okay to admit that you're not doing something. Like someone else can do it better. Yeah. <clears throat> and then when you do find the thing that you know you do better, sink into that. Like yes. we we hired someone to butcher our chickens once. I didn't, he didn't do a good job. Yeah. Like he, it just wasn't as good. So I'm like, you know what? We have the setup. I'm really happy to to lean into that yeah. and become more efficient. So I think you just have to pick and choose. And And I like that advice because then you'll get more from what you're doing. If you're trying to do everything, yeah. you're going to, even the things you're good at, you'll do worse Yes, because you're doing you're everything. Stressed out. You're, yeah. you're right. You're maxed out. So if you're trying to feed, make the feed, grow the feed, process it, raise the animal, butcher it, you're going to mess up a lot. Yeah. Whereas if you say, Hey, I'm really good at working with livestock. Yeah. Let somebody else grow the grains that we feed them or grow the whatever. Or, hey, I love rotationally grazing, you know, on grass, on pasture. We'll do that. Yeah. Lean into that and do what you're good at. Support your local butcher. Yes. You know, form that community. Form that that web. Because that ultimately, you know, a lot of us want to be self-sufficient. You talk about this mm-hmm. in your book. If you're doing everything and you yeah. twist your ankle, right? That's your, yes. But if you've got a network, a community like you talk about forming and investing in, yeah. they'll be there when you need them too. Yeah. It, we've had a few emergencies where we had to call up the butcher and say, hey, you know, we need a hand. and. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that's that your net, your network is so valuable when you yeah. build that. It is it's such a valuable thing. And if we look at, you know, historically, even out here, like we're out on the wide open prairie, yeah. the homesteads are few are far between like, we'll be out gathering cattle on horseback and you'll ride for miles before you'll see one little house. Yeah. And then you'll ride for miles and see another little house, but they still were connected. And if yeah. you look at their writings, historically, they were still building houses close ish to each other and they would get together uh, at the Grange halls yeah. and at the schools, there was little schools everywhere and little post offices everywhere. And they were still neighboring is what we call it out yeah. there. They were still neighboring. And so we might exalt them as like the pioneers and they were self-sufficient. I think they were more community sufficient than yeah. we are now as modern homesteaders, where we have this idea that we have to do it DIY yeah, all the things. Yourself, so everything. yeah. Yep. And the Amish are another example. They live in communities oh, for a reason. We're surrounded by yeah, because you're yeah, where you live, yeah. And we actually yeah. have friends, families who are Mennonites. We more Mennonites in our area. It is huge communities. Yes, yeah, they do a lot of stuff themselves. They're a huge like neighborhoods of yeah. community. Yeah, so it's all and they're all helping. One of them's but- butchering. One of them's smoking the meat. One of them has a store. One of them's out in the field. So it's it's all about just working together. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, it's an underrated part, I think, of the yes, Homestead yes. world, on, especially online. It's easy to get into that <laughs> self-sufficiency <laughs> trap. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, moving on to number six. Replicating the natural world won't mean there will be problems. Okay. Or, I, I, let, me, let me rephrase that. Replicating the natural world won't mean that there won't be problems. We call this the natural myth. So right. it's the natural myth. We talk about this on our channel from time to time, yeah. the natural myth. And it, 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 this is one that we get a lot of comments for. We were driving. So we, we talked about we've been, we're in Alaska for the summer. And mm -hmm. now we're driving from Alaska through British Columbia and the Yukon, British Columbia, down into the States. Now we're all the way here in Wyoming, we're going through state parks. We were just in Yellowstone. Oh, nice. Days ago. Yeah. Got to see Yellowstone. Yeah. And while in Yellowstone, we got to see some of the bighorn sheep, right? Running around Yellowstone. Yeah. And my kids are all farm kids. My daughter, my oldest daughter has her own goats. First thing she said, they come tumbling down the hill. Wow. They look really healthy. Those, those bighorn sheep. And we were all like gazing at, look at yeah. those hindquarters on yeah. that one. They look healthy. <laughs> yeah. Shiny coats. Uh, Kay right away noticed the hoofs. Boy, their hoofs are, are beautiful. No one's out there trimming their hoofs. Yeah. No one's out there deworming them. No one's given them any shots, any medication. Yeah. Look at this beautiful creature in its natural habitat. It is the healthiest sheep we've seen maybe ever. Yeah. Right. If we just do what they do on our homesteads, right? You don't need to give them shots. You don't need to give them medication. Just mimic nature. You shouldn't have to worry about their hoofs as long as they're out on the dirt and on the rocks. You, you hear people say stuff like yes. that. The difference is you don't own a state park. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't have. Yeah. Maybe you do. I, I don't own a state park. You don't have that much land. Yeah. And we just we were just researching because this piqued our interest. Look at how healthy they look. The mortality rate of uh, the lambs. Mm -hmm. They did a study. They radio collared. They caught up a bunch of uh, bighorn sheep lambs. 95% mortality. No way. Would your beef business be able to operate with a 95%? No. Yeah. Not only could you not handle that financially, emotionally. Yes. If every baby you Everyone's saw dying. on this homestead, if nine out of 10 died. Now, 30% was because of predation. So we put up our fences and okay. we get rid of that. Yeah. It's still like 60, even if we're generous, say 50%. Every other one is culled by nature. Yeah. Nature is a hard farmer. Yeah. She makes no, if, if your feet are bad, if you're bad mother traits, she calls you. Yeah. 50% call rate. I don't have the heart to call my herds at 50%. No, no. I don't have the heart to watch a sick animal. And this was interesting. The 60% mortality after you took away, after you took away uh, predation mm -hmm. was mostly pneumonia. And this is really? where we base this whole principle of the natural myth. There are some people out there and if they want to do this on their homestead, I will not argue. Hey, it's your homestead. Yeah. You do what you want. They don't want to use pharmaceuticals. Yes. Right. Yeah. We've had pigs get pneumonia. We've had our cows get pneumonia. Yep. Our precious mini Jersey cattle have had pneumonia. Yep. We've had in the past instances of this. These bighorn sheep, 50 to 60% mortality, mostly pneumonia. Mm. Now you can give them a shot, yeah. a pharmaceutical, and it will... I've never lost an animal that we've treated with a pharmaceutical yeah. to pneumonia. Yeah. Never. Or you can mimic nature, but you have to be ready to accept a 50, 60% death rate yeah. for certain things. So we, although we try to 
honor the natural practices, right? We rotationally graze, yes. right? We try to move things on fresh grass as much as possible. We try to make sure that our goats have, you know, gravel and rocks to jump around on. We're also going to trim their hoofs. Yeah. We try to prevent medical problems. We don't want to depend on pharmaceuticals. We've seen with goat, when you go to goats, the world of worms. Oh man, that's, yeah. Worm problem, if you don't avoid it, uh, we got to talk to last year, the author of Raising Goats Naturally. Oh yeah. And uh, she talked about like the best thing you can do for worms is avoid it. And that's all in how you manage. And that's mimicking nature. Sure. But at the end of the day, you will face a problem. Something will go wrong. You'll yes. have that. And if you're not willing to take advantage of, like you talk about in your book, some technology, some advances, then you just have to be ready to handle a much higher mortality rate than I could emotionally. Yeah. That's, this is such a good conversation. And I've seen it so many times in the homestead world where where someone, we get so hung up on the natural, like the dogma of the yes. natural order. And we have to remember, we are still humans interfering. And that, and I mean, there's, there's only a point, like yeah. you said, you can't own a state park. Yeah. And so like, I think about milk cows a lot. There's a lot, a lot of times I see homesteader milk cows and obviously milk, milk breeds are skinnier than a, mm -hmm. than a brief beef. So you have to kind of calibrate your eyeballs, but you can get so hung up on like, I want to only grass feed oh, my milk cow. Well, when it works, it's great. I love I would prefer my milk be from a grass-fed animal yeah. exclusively. But some of those mamas can't do that. Or the grass isn't right because you're putting them on pasture that maybe they wouldn't have chosen mm -hmm. naturally. Mm -hmm. Or you're putting two calves on them, which nature probably maybe wouldn't have done. Or we're pushing production like maybe nature wouldn't have done. And so when we refuse to follow up our own actions yes. with some intervention, I think that can get us in hot water real fast. So we – I mean – I prefer not to feed grain to my milk cow, but if my milk cow is skinny and her body condition is poor, I will give her, I mean, I'm like, I will give her grain. Cause I got it. I mean, I got to treat her right for the position I put her in. I, that's a great <clears throat> example. We get that a lot in our channel because we have some that we can grass feed. Yeah. Our mini jerseys, some of them come from the New Zealand genetics and they're just great. And we have, we're fortunate. We have like acres and acres of Pennsylvania pasture. Yes. Yes. But when we got, we got a Guernsey a couple of years ago. We had to supplement her. Yep. And it would be cruel to take an animal that's been developed yeah. on that and remove it. Yes. It would be cruel to her. So, yes. In my opinion. So if people want to make these other choices, again, the minute I cross the border into your homestead, you want to do things, yep. there, it's your homestead. I sure. believe we all should be able to choose on our own homesteads. But that's why we say, you know, you just have to be prepared. If you want to just mimic nature, yeah. she calls a lot of animals. Yep. Yeah, that's, a, that's such great advice. <laughs> such great advice. Um, yeah, and the pharmaceuticals is another one, yeah. I think. And I think sometimes, you know, obviously I'm not a fan of big pharma in, in, my, <laughs> in my family's diet or my animal's diet. And I think we can get so hung up on pushing back against that. I don't agree with feeding animals maintenance antibiotics. I don't believe in medicated feed all the time. But that doesn't mean that sometimes they need a shot of penicillin. And, you know, mastitis is one. We don't have it a lot, but every once in a while we'll battle it. We'll try to do some natural stuff. And if it's not working, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to ruin her udder on right. principle. So it's, right. I'm not afraid to, to do that every once in a while, which that's pretty, that's pretty controversial. Oh some, yeah. Sometimes. For us to admit, and we, on our channel, we try, cause it, people will deal with it, right? Yeah. Try to be very open with, Hey, if our, we try to keep our goats from getting worms yeah. and we've done in the past, we've made mistakes. We've learned from it. We've lost goats to problems. Yeah. We've learned from it. But if you are just so dogmatic, you won't consider it as a tool to yeah. be used. It's not the solution. Big, trust me. I, 
I feel very similar about these bigger corporations, how they make yes. money. I, I yes. have no love there. Nope, nope. But if my cow, who I do have love for, needs a shot of penicillin, they're not making much off that penicillin right. shot. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, it, I mean, that came from, wasn't it mold? I mean, it's it's a natural, like, the cylinders right, are natural. Right, so I'm like, right. I mean, I know it's the factory version, but I'm like, eh, yes. it's in nature. There's some antibiotic yeah. properties in different natural things. Yeah. So I'm like, eh, I'm, I'm okay with that. And within <laughs> reason, we're not, we're not creating super bugs here. Yes, within reason, yes, yes. I'm good with no it. Super yeah. Bugs no, from our homes, nope. Though. I think we're safe. <laughs> Free from super bugs this year. So, all right. This has been so fun. We have one question left and I think the this is a, a great way to wrap this up. Myth number seven, or maybe not a myth, but a fact. Homesteading won't solve all your problems. But it's still an awesome life to live and it's worth it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I know from being in the content side of the business, right? We've had a podcast a long time, YouTube channel for a long time. You get the comments. You guys are living my dream. I get that a lot. Right. Yeah. You're living yeah. my dream. And I totally get what they're saying. Like, I understand it. And I love hearing, you know, people appreciate what we're doing, all that. Right. Yeah. But it is not a dream when you're in it, right? Yeah. It's yeah. a reality. Yes. When you're actually there, it's no longer a dream. You, you know, there's the cold you talk about in your book, the, the day you had to, probably not the only day yes. you had to get yes. out the snow <laughs> this high to get to the barn. I, I, there's a video where we're working on, a, we have a waterer for our cows that freezes up in the winter. It's a mm. frost-free waterer, but yep. I did something wrong and it freezes. And I'm out there in the coldest day of the year, fingers freezing and water falling down my back and in my coat, trying to fix this thing yeah. and on the, with the torch on it to try to heat it quick, put it back in the ground. Yeah. So it doesn't freeze again. <laughs> yeah. There are some of the worst, saddest days of my life are direct results of homesteading. Yes. One, one day I can easily remember I felt at my lowest, we lost a, a sow with piglets. Mm. We changed our water setup, new infrastructure. Yeah. And changing infrastructure, there was a problem in it. We didn't realize. Yeah. Pigs, when they run out of water, very quickly, whereas another animal, cows can run out of water. They get it from the grass. You know, they still need, I mean, it's a problem, but like, it's not as, pigs, they get what's called uh, salt poisoning. Mm. Kills them real quick. Mm. And we had to watch this sow caring for all these little piglets just by the time we realized, wait, something's off with her. What's wrong? Oh no, the water's not working. She didn't, she died. Yeah. That was one of the worst days of my, and I don't want to be overly dramatic. Like I've been fortunate. I don't have a lot of loved ones who've died. Yeah. I don't, right. But as far as like everyday life and work and what we do, that is one of the worst days I've had in my life. Yeah. I just felt so bad because it was a hundred percent my fault. Yeah. It could have a hundred percent been avoided. You'll have days because of homesteading where you go through that. Yes. But net, why do we do it, right? When you yeah. zoom out, I can remember those days because they're hard and they're bad, but it's the best life right now that I can give to my family and my kids. Yeah. So you just, I feel like when you follow our channels, when you read our books or watch our videos or listen to our podcasts, we love it. You obviously yes. love this yeah. way of life since you were little. I love this way of life, but you have to be ready. If you're going to jump in, it's not you, it will bring you a new, okay, okay, me always say, everyone's life has problems, so you choose your problems. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> amen. <laughs> pick your problems. Right? Yep. And these yep. are the problems we pick. Yeah. 
So good. I've had those days as well, the hard days. We lost a calf this year. It was my fault. Uh, and I and everyone online was like, it's fine. I'm like, it's not fine. Yeah. I made a huge mistake. I mean, I left. I, I should have put it in the barn and I didn't think it would rain and it rained. And she was a day old and the beef cow calves would have been fine. And she was a little more delicate. Oh, she was a brown Swiss and she was yeah. this big, beautiful heifer and oh, came out, man, came out and, and she course. was a, a beautiful, like healthy. And I came out that morning. I had this little thought when I went to bed, maybe you should go throw in the barn. And I'm like, it's not going to it's fine. It's Wyoming. It doesn't rain here. It rained. And I think she just got chilled enough. And I like felt so bad. Like, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I was like, how, I mean, I can't even describe how bad I felt. Cause it's one thing to have an animal die. It's another thing when you caused it in essence. Right. And I was like, you idiot, you knew better, but yeah, it's, it's choosing your heart and you have to choose. I mean, yeah. you choose your heart. If I was in, you know, if I hadn't listened to this calling and hadn't chased this dream, I think I would be really miserable, yeah. you know, fitting into the prescribed path that someone else told me to live. So I'm like, I could choose that mm-hmm. and be that miserable. And this really isn't miserable. There's just bad days They're sometimes. Just, so those days, I remember that day wanting to quit. Yep. And this was, I mean, I wasn't a brand new homesteader. This was years in being yeah. like, no, I'm done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Usually uh, there's been, I think uh, over our, our decade plus, probably three or four days I've said, no, we're done. Yes. And here we are. We're still, yeah, and you're still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay to quit as long as you start again. the next yeah, day. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. So I, I think I would love to see more people, especially as homesteading picks up speed online. And there's a lot of romanticization of it, you know, which isn't all bad. Sometimes it, it makes me a little annoyed, you know, <laughs> when it's all white and aprons and linen dresses, <laughs> but I, I'd love to see people move past that stage of romantic starry eyed. Yeah. Cause we all go through that and that's fine. And just lean into it. Like, you know, those days when you're out fixing the water and it's yeah. cold, those that's your life. That's, that's real. And that's okay. And it's okay. I mean, that's just part of the gig just as much as the days when you have brand new baby goats or the eggs look especially clean and beautiful (laughs) in the basket. And I think as long as we can just accept both, not to say there's some days that we just wish didn't happen. (laughs) Um, but I think that's where the real magic is and we can stop chasing just the romance and just lean into just the messiness of it. I found that's where I find the most fulfillment ultimately. And I, I think our our the bulk of the audience, the bulk of the fans, people watching and, and who are dreamers, I think most of them appreciate that. I think so too. You'll get like I think from doing YouTube a long time, the negative comments, sometimes it makes you not want to be honest about the hard stuff. Yeah, right? For sure. Yeah. Those are hard to share a failure that results in an animal's death. And we've on our channel over the years shared a lot of big ones. Yeah. And you get some awful comments yes. that just like add to the injury for every hundred people telling you it's okay. You guys do a great job. That one awful one you get. Six yes. Yeah. But you'd be doing a disservice too. And that's why it's on the list today to the people who you're inspiring, not telling them, listen, there are really hard days. Yeah. So. And that's okay. It's normal. Yes. It's normal. Everyone has hard days. Yeah. Like, right? Everyone, if we're doing something else, there'd be a hard day. And yeah. We just chose Cows and <laughs> we just yep. eggs and frozen waters and worms. Yes, and worms. <laughs> all all the beautiful things. So put that on Instagram. <laughs> so oh my goodness, this has been the best. I cannot wait to get the feedback from this. I think it's actually I don't think we'll have many bad emails. I think we're gonna have mostly positive not most, stuff. Not a lot of <laughs> and it's okay. If somebody wants to be mad, you can be mad at fine. <laughs> but yeah, where can people follow along? I know, okay, home study Instagram, right? Just at Homesteady. Home, actually, Instagram's oh, no, like the last right. thing we do. Let okay. me see. I don't even know what else. Okay. I think it's Homesteady Show. Let me pull up Homesteady Show. Okay. I, I read in a book recently, I should delete these apps off my phone. So oh, yes. That, book, that book does say <laughs> it's hard to delete Instagram, though. <laughs> yes. Okay. So. so on Instagram, we are, let's see here. 
Home Study Show. Home Study Show. Pretty much what I always tell people is if you Google Home Study, if you like YouTube videos, we got a bunch of YouTube videos, yes. you'll find us. If you like podcasts, we got a lot of podcasts. If you like following stuff on Instagram or or Facebook, we're very little on Facebook, but basically Google Home Study. Okay. You'll find what we're up to. We have been very quiet over the summer because we were doing the off-grid challenge. Mm. So it will look like we have stopped. Yeah, but you haven't. <laughs> we haven't. We've got <laughs> so much good stuff coming, including the, the awesome episode we just recorded with you, Jill. The whole off-grid challenge, all the stuff we went through, some real hard times yeah. there, some real honest like we don't like this today and a lot of learnings that's coming out. So if you check out our podcast, our videos or whatever, we're coming back soon. Awesome. We're in Wyoming. We're making our way back to Pennsylvania and I'll start editing again once we're back on the grid. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't wait to get your grand revelation of what, what you thought after the year. I also think it's cool. You actually kind of went off grid while you were doing the off grid challenge. Yes. Like that's neat. You went dark because that's a little more authentic. I wasn't going to, I tr- I even edited one video and it was so hard. And what mm. ultimately we realized is I'm like missing out on, we're in Alaska yes. with my, yes. all my kids and my wife are in Alaska. My son's wearing a halibut fishing shirt. We went halibut oh, fishing. Nice. We yes. went, so instead of editing, I can edit when I get home, you yeah. know, like, and I'm going to, I got a lot of, you got a lot of edit. I bet so, you do. I bet you do. So we enjoyed so. it. We went dark for a while. We'll be back probably starting to re- release content pretty soon. So okay, good. It's coming. So go go check that out, guys. It's going to be really good. Um, I think you're really going to enjoy it. So thank you for coming here. Like awesome. actually in coming person. here is so it. fun. Good to see the farm. Yeah, way more, way more just enjoyable to have a conversation face to face. The old fashioned way. Zoom, I also old hate Zoom. Yes. <laughs> I also hate Zoom. I do use it a lot, but I hate Zoom. Ugh. So yeah. Alrighty. So everybody go follow Austin and his family and all their adventures. Good stuff. As you heard, like he's been around the block been there, done that. He knows, he knows this world inside and out homesteady on YouTube, homesteady show on Instagram, and then the homesteady podcast. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any other myths you would like to hear discussed on this show, send them over on Instagram or email or however you want to contact me. And that's it for today. So thanks again. Thanks for having me, Jill. And we'll catch up on the next episode of the old fashioned on purpose podcast.